Dore Hapipi, or his other published name, Rauli Habib, is a writer who came to the art form later in life. In 1976, his play, Death of the Land, toured Aotearoa, performed by the theatre group Te Ika Amaui Players. Eventually, this was adapted to the screen in 1978. Now, other included works during that period was the three-part series, The Gathering, Koha, Loose Ends, The Protester, Ahikaroa, Keeper of the Fires, Te Ohaki Anihe, and Kingi's story. And that's really just touching the surface of what Rure has contributed to the world of Māori literature on the page, stage and screen. His achievements were marked recently at this year's Te Wakatoi Awards, which is why I met up with Rure for a kōrero. I was born in a place called Oruanui, which is about 15 kilometres north of Tobol, the town of Tobol. used to be a timber mill settlement when I was there. Well, it was a big Māori settlement, actually, originally, and uh, a mill was built there about the turn of the what, 20th century. So when I grew up, it was a, more or less a timber mill settlement. and mm. There was a school there, primary school, a native school it was called, a couple of shops, a post office, a marae, a couple of marais. Um, yeah, it was quite a settlement. Nothing there now. Mm. Mm. now. As a child, how did you... Um, were you a big reader when you were a young uh, kid? No, we didn't have many books. Um, luckily, I had um, older, older brothers and older sisters, and that went off to... A couple of them went off to Hukarere, Hukarere College and they came back with books. Otherwise, books were, you know, the, the house was pretty devoid of books. Yeah. yeah. Uh, only comics, comics, heaps of comics from my older... Um, I was one of the younger siblings, so I had several older siblings and um, so they brought the comics and whatever literature was in the house... How did you come to writing? Was, did it all start at Te Aute? I, I had. Uh, it was recognised that I had a, um, a gift to write there. But uh, no, I had no intention of being a writer there. What did you want to be? I just, all, I didn't know what I wanted to be. I knew what I didn't want to be, and I didn't want to end up in the timber mill or in the, in the bush as a bushman because I saw what it did to my uncles and my older cousins. Um, you know, turned them into old men before their time because of the heavy work. That's all, and I was just avoiding that. And so I, I stayed on, I stayed on at school. Yeah. And um, sort of drifted into Teachers College, Ardmore Teachers College, which no longer oh, exists, yes, of course. And um, that's where I, I was first introduced uh, to literature. As an as kind of adult, without without being forced there down me, we we were just told about these writers and and and, and writing without having to write the exams about them. It was just literature appreciation, and I I thought that's me, that's me, mm, that's what I want to be a writer. I was about what, nineteen, mm. and that's all I wanted to be ever since. And so was it as easy as getting a pen and paper and just writing, 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 or was it just... That, that part was easy, was, was making a living from it, was the hard part. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I know, I think in those days, I, um, I don't... 
don't think there were any writers. I'm talking about the um, mid-1950s. Yes. I don't think there was any writer that really believed they could make a, a living from writing. You know, we had to work, and there was plenty of work at the time. Um, you know, you could leave one factory, walk across the road and get another bit. So that earning money wasn't, uh, wasn't a problem. It was just finding the time to write, yeah. Mm. Uh, because most jobs held you down for eight hours of the day. And in those days, I don't know, you know, you wanted to roll your sleeves up and get out and work in the, in the mills and the coal mine and things like that and learn about um, the real life, I suppose. Yeah. That's what we thought was real life anyway, was out there working with uh, working people, yeah. find out about them and write about them. Yeah, I worked on, on, on a lot of jobs, a um, lot of experience, a lot of material. Mm. Yeah. So, um, Rory, fast forward to 1979. Uh, you were the first Māori to write an original drama for TV, The Gathering. How did, yeah. how did that story gather momentum? Well, um, there's a guy, Tony Isaac, who was a producer in television, and... Um, he had a one-hour slot in, on, on TV, and he wanted to to do a, a Maori play, I think. Or so he went to the. He told me he went to the library and he was looking through Te Aho, the the, oh, yes. the copies, looking for Maori writers. You know, and he looked at all of the other writers, and and he came across my writing. He didn't know me. I didn't know. And he said, "This is the guy." After you read my stories and, and what they, this is the guy. I want to write the play because he felt that I that I hit harder than the others. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't try to whitewash anything. You know? Right. Yeah. So, uh, well, I happened to be in Australia at the time, and when I arrived, I was staying with Jim Jim Moriarty, the actor, and uh, he, you know, he said, "Oh, there's a producer at uh, television been trying to get hold of you for weeks." And, uh, you know, phone him up. So I phoned, phoned up television and uh, he, he told me what he wanted. So we got working on this script called The Gathering. Yeah. The Gathering is a drama that was broadcast on television in 1980. At the core of the story is the way the Turner family deal with conflict following the death of the character Paul Turner's mother. The extended whānau gather in a suburban home, which is where tensions arise over the practical nature of creating an environment conducive to a marae. The attitudes, practicalities of hosting large numbers and conflict about the perceptions of tikanga Māori, what is right, what is wrong, comes to the surface. The three-part teledrama was directed by Tony Isaac. Dr Karen, did you get those cups and saucers? Yeah, two dozen. Oh, good girl. Hey, there's a bus pulling up down the road. Hey, where? That'll be Auntie Noah. What in the bus? Might be able to drive that up here. Oh, bloody hell. Are you with them? We'll just wait for the others. Uh, that's OK. Looks like the whole tribe's arrived. What do you mean, Wookie? Look, they're unloading the bus down the road. Have a look for yourself. Oh, damn it. Look, I rang Auntie Noah last night. She said something about a car, not a bus. Yeah, what are we going to do, Paul? I don't know. In terms of honing your writing craft... Did you start out writing, um, you know, going from the structure of, say, um, novels to play to writing for theatre? How did you...? 
Well, I, I, I wrote writing prose first and um, short stories. Um, I started on a novel, which, you know, you, as usual, with the, when you're starting out, it was autobiographical. And I thought, oh, no, it's too personal. Yeah. So, it's about your upbringing in... New Zealand's a small country. <laughs> <laughs> nowhere, to, nowhere to hide. Nowhere to hide. <laughs> too much yeah, of yourself yeah. in the... So that's, that's been sitting around for years. Uh, and then, um, yeah, so I was writing short stories or, or prose. And then um, oh, somewhere in 1955, I started. Right. Uh, around about mid-1954, writing my first stories. I decided I'd have a go at writing poetry as well, mm. yeah. And writing plays, well, that came that came years later, and it was sort of ironic because I tended to look down on on playwriting as as an inferior art form. Believe it or not, you know, and when you consider that Shakespeare was a That's was right. a playwright, yeah. But I, I did. I I looked on it. Why did you look down on it? Maybe because other people are involved in it. You know, you've got actors and directors, and, and I don't know, but I, I know I'm not the only. I'm not the only one that looked on because I, I had uh, you know, up a Taylor. He, um, yes. I tried to talk him into writing plays, and he had the same attitude at me. He, uh, you know, this was years later on, just like I did. But you know, he finally saw the light. I mean, when you see your writing acted out in a play, is that satisfying? Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, oh, sure. Your words are coming to life yeah, in yeah. a sense. Because, uh, you know, the writer, you're on your own and you're creating these characters. And, uh, yeah, you mm. know, then suddenly it's out there in the public arena and, mm -hmm. and um, some very good actors. Are. But uh, talking about... Uh, the playwright uh, Bruce Mason, who used to um, used to edit Tahoe in the That's early right. nineteen in the early nineteen sixties, um, he told me then he said, "Why, why don't you consider writing uh, plays? Because you've got a good ear for dialogue." And you know that was nineteen fifty two, and I never st started writing my first play till about nineteen seventy two or something. Yeah, 10 years or even later than that, about 1974. Your perspective on Māori drama today and how it's progressed over the last, what, three, four decades since kind of you've been doing it? Yeah, well, I'm, no, you know, I'm quite in awe of the talent out there now. Um, we were pretty thin on the surface, you know, when I was doing it. No, pretty pretty much in awe of it. Mm -hmm. Um I don't know, um, and yet I remember a couple of years ago they did a screening of my play, The, the Protesters. Um, I think it was as a tribute to um, to Meditambita. Oh, yes. And yes. because she was in it. And um, I just happened to be there, and, and, and the young people that saw it, now that play was, that, you know, was produced in 1982, and the young ones there, you know, they couldn't get over it. They said, well, what's happened? You know, what's happened in the meantime with um, Maori drama on, on television? And it was, it was like they felt that there'd be no progress, you know, since that play was written. I mean, it was, it was a pretty hard-hitting play, you know, with it based around the, um, well, loosely based around the, the protest movement at Bastion Point. And, they, and I just heard remarks saying, 
gee, what's happened to you? Maori television or Maori drama? So it's softer then. in a sense. It's not That's so That's the impression I, I got. Yeah, yeah, that they felt mm. that uh, what, what was on, on television wasn't, wasn't hard-hitting enough, you know, gritty. Do you put it down to the times, how society has changed and that maybe the stories or the experiences of our playwrights today are different than to when you were writing plays, or is it...? Well, of course, you, I mean, you, know, you had once for warriors since then, and, you know, nothing more hard, harder during that. Mm. But that, you know, that was on film, of course. No, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, just impressed. I'm just impressed with the Maori writers and Maori actors out there now. What's one book that you would recommend everybody read? Well, one of the books, uh, the first book that impressed me was D.H. Lawrence's Sons and Lovers, because it was set in a in a coal mine settlement, which coming from a Timberville settlement, I could identify. Even though it was set in England, I could identify with the with the people and the attitudes. Yeah, mm-hmm. sons and lovers, and then um, another book that that bowled me over was Hemingway's um, "For Whom the Bells Tolled." Mm-hmm. For whom the bells tolled. And, of course, War and Peace, but, I mean, you know, you could have a brainstorm trying to trying to read that one right through, mm-hmm. and, and, a, and, a, and a Karenina. So you must have a, lot, a huge... I've read, I've read, I've had to read. I was, I was, I was um, learning as I went along. <laughs> when I first started writing out, when I first started writing, I would find, um, as I was saying, I'm trying to write my autobiographical um, novel... And I found that I would be reading, um, say, Lawrence, D.H. Lawrence, and then uh, when I started writing the chapter, my next chapter, it would be very D.H. Lawrence, you know, with the flowery language. Then I would be reading, say, uh, Emily uh, Emily, um, Bronte's Wuthering Heights, and then I'd find that the language, and whoever I was reading, then I'd be reading um, Hemingway, you know, so it would be all Kurt... Short. <laughs> it was every chapter. Every chapter was like the last. I was like the last writer I was reading, yeah. and, and I didn't have my own voice. You see, I didn't. Yeah, and it took me. Oh, must have, must have taken me about ten years to struggle and realize. Look, I've got a limited vocabulary, but the best thing to do is to what what vocabulary you got. You know, to pick the strongest words yes. for whatever fitted. And, and, and that's been pretty much how I've written since. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. You know, I've just been fortunate that I've lived, lived long, longer than most, you know, and, and still able to apply my craft. Yes. Yeah. You've got yeah. to finish that novel. Well, I, I, you know, fate, destiny... Um, went against me. I started out late, but then it, it's given me time. Oh, the novel's written, but I would never publish it. No, no. No, it was too... Too... Too, too with, a, with the whanau, yeah. Oh, I just mean. with your whanau. Right, OK. Kia ora. Kia ora, Rory. Mm, kia ora. As part of that interview, we included audio from the series The Gathering, thanks to NZ On Screen and Joan Isaac.